I love Christmas. I love the Christmas holidays. I love everything about them. But I have to say that I'm typically kind of relieved, I don't know about you, the day after, kind of this sense of relief comes over me, all the hustle and bustle that we all go through, you know, to try to make the holidays special and to make that Christmas morning special, all those things that are going on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always just for me, it's just a great time of year as we prepare to move into a new year. Now, let me just ask you a question this morning. Be honest with me. How many of you are ready for 2011? Would you lift your hands up high? Are some of you really ready for it? Okay. All right. Many of you are ready. For some of you, 2010 was a tough year. I know that. Um, how many of you, you feel optimistic about 2011? Anybody, you feeling optimistic about things? You think things are going to uh, maybe turn around for you? Well, that's, that's kind of how I am whenever it comes to a new year. No matter, you know, what maybe has gone on in the past year or the things that I've been dealing with, whenever this new year begins to roll around, it just kind of breathes this sense of optimism within me. I start feeling optimistic about things. I start thinking about my future. I start thinking about the things that I believe that God's going to do in my life and in our church and, and with many of you. I start looking at those kinds of things. And I would say that I really love the new year season. I love that as we start getting getting prepared for that and you have all week to really think about, you know, maybe what you are believing God's wanting to do within you in this upcoming week. And then we'll have a just a great time of worship next Sunday together as we celebrate going into that new year. But what I love about New Year's is because they're really they're really a time for for just fresh starts. They're really a time for new beginnings. You know, and, and all of us could probably use a new beginning in one way or another. And obviously our Lord is, as our creator, he's got us figured out. He has us figured out. He's the one that made us. And you know what he knows about us is he knows that we all need fresh starts on a regular basis. We need a new beginning. And why is that? The reason is, is because we're so prone to mess things up. Right, guys? I mean, we kind of mess things up, and, and so he gives us so many opportunities for fresh starts. We get one every 365 days. You get kind of this big fresh start opportunity that you can really go to work on something, you know, and we all kind of look at that one time where this is where I'm going to make my resolutions, and I don't know if you've started thinking about those things. Or, but we also, we get a lot more fresh start opportunities with God than just once a year. I hope you know that. You know, we get a, a fresh start, you can think of it this way, every 30, 31 days or so. You get a new month to be, go, be able to, to do something new and fresh with that new month. And for some of you are thinking, yeah, that's when the bill cycle starts over for me, okay? And, uh, but you get a new beginning every 30 days, a new beginning every 365 days. And, and maybe, uh, you know, if, if you think about it even further, you realize what God has given us is he gives us a brand new opportunity to start fresh you know this every single day? You can even take it a step further with God, is that you have an opportunity every time that you fall, when you are in Christ, every time that you mess up or you enter into some sin, every opportunity you have that chance to begin fresh with God, that's the God of grace that each and every one of us serve. You know, some of you, maybe you couldn't raise your hand and say that you feel optimistic about your upcoming year. 
or you don't feel optimistic today. You may have come in today feeling kind of weighted down about the things that have happened in this past year. I have a passage of Scripture. This is not our main text for the, day, for the day. You can go ahead and turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. That is where we will be this morning. But this passage of Scripture, I read this this week, and I wanted to share it with you as you get ready to go into this, this new year. I want you to see what the book of Lamentations says in chapter 3, verse 21. Here's what, what the book of Lamentations says. And Jeremiah the prophet, he's the one who wrote this. This is what he said. But this I call to mind... And therefore I have, everybody say it with me, therefore I have what? I have hope. So I hope that you will begin to uh, maybe feel this sense of hope because of Christ. Look, this is the reason. This is what he says. Therefore I have hope. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord, what is it? It never ceases. The steadfast love that God has for you and that he has for me, it never ceases. And I love this part right here. His mercies never come to an end. I love that. They never come to an end. In fact, what does it say? They are new every single morning. God's mercies are made fresh and new to you every single morning. You have a chance for a fresh start. And then he testifies about God's faithfulness. He says, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will say with me, church, I will do what? I will hope in him. And that's where our hope is found, is, is in not what we can make out of this upcoming year, but our hope is found in what Christ can do through each and every one of us in this upcoming year. God's mercies are made new to us every day. I'm so grateful grateful for that. I'm so grateful that God uh, breaks these these fresh start opportunities into bite-sized little pieces so we can have these new beginnings because we blow it on a regular basis. You know what the Bible often compares our life to? It compares it to a marathon race. Okay? Do you have any marathoners in here? Anybody ran a marathon? Could you lift your hands up? Okay? Uh, a few of you, okay? You've run a marathon. You know what that's about. You know the endurance that goes with that. Uh, this is not a race that, that you're in a hurry to get through unless you're a Kenyan or Ethiopian, okay? Have you seen those people run those races? It's unbelievable, all right? Now, you, some of you have trained, and, you, and you're, you're doing your best, but, but for the average person out there that ever decides that they're going to do something like this, um, they just kind of think, I just want to be sure that I can finish that. I want to finish that. I want to kind of get that under my belt and finish that. You know, and, and, and yes, I know there's a winner. I know that there are fast times. But really, it's, it's who can get to the finish line. It's an endurance race. It's who's going to be able to, to finish this 26.2-mile race. Are you going to finish the race of life faithfully? And as we've said many times, that life is really it's this preparation for what God is going to do through us in eternity. Now, I have started running in preparation for a race that's coming up in a couple of months. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've shed a few pounds in the last... Uh, last four months or so, and I've still got a lot more pounds to go, okay? So, but I've, I've, been, I've been kind of running and training, and, and if I don't have, like, some kind of goal out in front of me, then I just, I get bored, and, uh, and then I want to eat cheeseburgers, okay? And so, but I've got this goal. I decided that I want to run this race coming up. I've never done anything like this. I'm not a runner, okay? I've always been more of a weightlifter kind of guy. I've never been much of a, of a runner, but, uh, but uh, you know, so I, I won't call myself one of those. Those guys yet. Those guys are just unbelievable, the things that they do and the way that they run. 
I'm more of a of, of kind of a jogger, okay? And I just kind of get out there and just kind of keep going. And but anyways, serious runners. What I'm learning more about is serious runners. They always they always kind of strip down when they're running a race, right? I mean, they, they, they wear as little as possible. They don't want to be hindered by what they're wearing. Now, if you guys watch the Olympics and you see the people who are running the Olympics and what they wear or barely wear, um, I mean, you can kind of tell that they don't want anything to encumber their race. They want to be able to run their, their race um, hard. And so, you know, I, I went running the other day for uh, just, a, you know, one of my runs for the training for this race that I'm going to do here in the upcoming months. And it was cold outside, kind of like it is is this morning. It was so cold, and I'm not an experienced runner, so, you know, just knowing, thinking this is what you're supposed to do, I bundled up. I mean, I look like Nanook of the North running through Willow Creek Park. I was all bundled up, and, and I, you know, I was kind of running like this because I was all bundled up, and, and that's almost kind of how I run anyway, but, but I was going through there, and I was running, and, and, and I had not probably gone any more than about a half a mile, and I started sweating like crazy with all of this stuff on, and I couldn't move the way that I wanted to move, and so I decided to, you know, as I look really goofy running through the park with all these clothes on and this big coat, I was burning up hot. I decided to go back. I went, I took all that stuff off, and I got in my normal stuff that I like to run in, and then I just took off, and I felt great. I didn't have all these things that were holding me back, things that were weighing me down. I felt great, so I, you know, I, I realized I didn't need all that stuff. That stuff was holding me back from running that race that day or that training for the race the way that I needed. It was all, it was weighing me down. It was, man, it was really messing me up for the day. And so, so you know, when we, when we look at our lives, God says, that is the way that I want you to run your race of your life as I want you to run it unencumbered. I don't want all these things that are weighing you down that have slowed your race down. Some of you are coming to the end of this year, and you're just kind of just crawling. Some of you have been paralyzed by things that have happened in, within this past year. And I'm not minimizing those things. They've been hard things that we've all been dealing with in one way or another. But God has given you a fresh opportunity for a brand new start. No matter what you're dealing with. If it's not that the thing in your life is going to change, perhaps it's that the outlook upon this thing that you're dealing with is going to change. You're going to begin to see things differently. You have that chance or that choice to look at what you're going through in a different manner. God wants you to run your race in this upcoming year with as few limitations or hesitations or hindrances or things that are holding you back from running the kind of race that God has for you in this upcoming, in this upcoming year. Things that have slowed you down to a crawl as we get ready to cross over into this new year. Today, as we, as we get prepared for that, as you have that opportunity this week to prepare and to begin thinking, what many of us do is we kind of work on resolutions that have a lot to do, if we're honest, they have a lot to do with our outward appearance. You know, I, I want to I lose weight so I look better, I want to feel better, these kinds of things. And a lot of it has to do with outward type things. I want to really just really just challenge you this morning to look a little deeper than that. Those are good things, and those are things that, that we should work on ourselves in these certain areas and challenge ourselves in, because I know that there's a deeper spiritual issue there. But we're really more open this time of year to making changes in our lives. It's, it's interesting than any other time of year. This is a time where we all really say, Ron, I'm really open. I need to, I need to change this around. 
I need to do something different in my life. And, and as we get ready to move into this new year, as you have opportunities this week to really think about these things, I want to give you some stuff to think about. The talk that I'm going to have with you today, as we look in God's Word, is going to be one of the most practical things that you could take going into a new year. And what I'm hoping is that it's not just stuff that's going to maybe affect your outward appearance or maybe the way you feel about yourself physically or whatever, but really what I hope this will challenge you to do is to take a look at just a different way of looking at things that are deeper-rooted things that are going on within your life as you go into this upcoming year. The Bible says that I want you to lay aside the things that hold you back. If you have your Bibles, look with me in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to look in verse 1. This is in the New Living Translation here. I like the way that this reads real smooth here. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, those are those who have gone before us, who have finished the race. Those who finished well. We're surrounded by this huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. Look at what he says. And here's, here's his challenge for you as you go run your race this year, whatever your race may be. He says, let us strip off every weight that does what? Slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And then will you read this last portion with me out loud? Say it with me out loud, church. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We want to run this race of endurance. This isn't a sprint, as you know. This is a long-distance race. It's a race that requires you persevering even when you don't feel like it. That's what running distances is all about. Nobody really, I mean, you, you've got to press through the pain in order to be able to finish. And so I want to give you some practical things that I know every single person who is here, some of us will be dealing with these uh, more severely than others, but every person who's in here this morning, every person who's here, you probably in one way or another could say that you relate to what we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, Some of you, it'll be stronger on different points than others. Some of you, it'll be all jumbled together. Some of you, there's going to be one specific point that God is going to nail in your life and say, today, that's the thing that I want you to let go of. That's the thing that I want you to work on in this upcoming year. By my strength, we're going to make changes in your life. So, so I'm going to give you really three different things. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. To run your, face, your race, did I say run your face? To run your face faithfully. To run your race faithfully in this upcoming year, here's the first thing that you need to do, okay? If you're going to run your race faithfully, you have to let go of whatever it is that's been weighing you down as far as anxiety or worries or whatever that may be. I know that that is easier said than done, but let's talk about it. I really want you to think about this this morning, okay? You're not here by accident. God brought you here this morning because he wants to speak into your life about one of these specific areas. You have to let go of your worries if you're going to run your race the way that God's called you to. I want you to look at this verse in Proverbs. Look what it says. Read it with, or just say it with me out loud. What does it say? Worry, what does it do? Worry weighs a person down. I mean, do you just feel that heaviness whenever you're worried about something? Where you just feel, you feel heavy. It's like, you know, it, it just, you've got so much upon you that you are worried about. You know what worry is? It is the emotional garbage that is hindering you from being able to step forward with the things that God has called you to in this upcoming year. 
What worry does for so many of us, because we, we feel so heavy in, in carrying all of these things around, is it slows down your race. For some of you, your race spiritually has come to a stop. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm just saying that your spiritual development and growth has come to a stop because you've got so much that you are taking upon yourself and that you are worried and anxious about. And God is saying you're not made to carry that. You're not made to carry that. You, you, are, you are supposed to give this to me. So we get stressed out. We feel pressed down. Uh, what this often leads to for so many of us is it leads to feelings of depression and feelings of hopelessness. Pessimism begins to kind of rule our life and cynicism in the way that we look at everything. Worry is something the Scripture says that weighs a person down. It weighs you down. God says, I don't want you running your race that way this upcoming year. And you know the reality is, is that the choice is yours in how you run your race. God's called you to run a race this year, the race of your spiritual development. God says, I don't want you loaded down with those burdens. Now, I'm not telling you that the things that, you, that are in your life, that those things are going to automatically disappear. We know that that just doesn't happen. We're all going to have problems. We're all going to have troubles, struggles. We're all going to be dealing with different kinds of things. 2011, and I don't mean to worry you, but could be for some of you the hardest year that you will ever face. The question is, is how are you going to respond to whatever happens in this upcoming year? You can respond in it with anxiety and stress and, and being all stressed out and, and filled with worry and all of these things. Or you can choose to respond in a different way. That's, that's up to us. God gives us that opportunity to, to trust him. Uh, God wants us to release our worries to him as we prepare to go into this upcoming year. What is it that's weighing you down? I want you to identify that this morning. What is it that, that has just affected you spiritually in such a way that you've been so worried about this year? It could be a number of things. For some of you, maybe you're struggling pinpointing something specifically. But here's what I want you to I want you to see this passage in Psalm 46.10. And I want you to realize when we worry, what we're, really, what we're really doing is we're trying to play God when we worry about things. Uh, the Scripture says, David writes the psalmist in chapter 46, verse 10, he says, Be still. He's speaking to us. Be still. God's saying this. Be still and know that I am God. In other words... All the striving that you're doing and trying to fix everything in your mind in the way that you do, God is saying you need to just be still. You need to be still and you need to trust that God really is the one who is God. We're not God. We can't fix everyone. We can't fix everything. We're, we, whenever it comes to our power and ability to be able to do this, that, that really it stresses us out when we can't fix these things. And God's saying you're not the one to be able to fix these things. You need to give these things over to me. You need to trust me. That's why I came and I died for you, so that you could have a loving relationship with me, so that whatever it is that you're dealing with, you will have problems in your life, but I'm going to be with you as you go through these things. You won't battle these things on your own. Uh, so what we do is we kind of start playing God. We start trying to fix things. We start trying to fix people. And, and the next thing you know, we are so stressed out because we can't get everything and everybody fixed around us. So uh, this is something that it does to us. There are some reasons God wants you to consider letting go of whatever it is that has you pressed down and worry. There's some reasons. If you're taking notes, write these down. Worry, what it does is it exhausts your energy. It exhausts you. If you just, you just feel, some of you just feel whipped. 
You feel whipped down because of the worries you've been carrying in 2010. David said in Psalm 55, 2, he said, I am worn out by my worries. This is what David said. I'm worn out by my worries. Anybody feel that way? You felt just, I'm beat down, man. I'm beat down by the worries in my life. A lot more people are worn out by worry than they are by work. Do you know that? We hurt, we hurt ourselves more by worry than actually many times the work that we do. You know that the worry that you carry on actually affects your work. It affects the way that you work. It affects the way that you carry yourself and that you interact with other people. Worry never helps you with anything. It's not doing you any favors. Whenever you choose to worry about things, it takes your energy. It takes everything from you. It saps your strength. It exhausts you. Worry exhausts your energy. Here's what else it does. Worry exaggerates the problem. How many of you are with me on that? Where you get that thing in your mind, and you start dwelling upon that thing in your mind. David writes this in Psalm 25. He says, my awful worries keep on growing. Do you feel that way? Where it's just, you know, you get this thing, and next thing you know, you're thinking about it, and it's a big deal to you. But have you noticed how when we continue to dwell upon those things, it gets bigger? and bigger and bigger and you've exaggerated it and then maybe you confront a person or you talk and then you realize man, that thing really maybe wasn't as big as what I thought it was but my mind the way my mind works has magnified and exaggerated this problem it makes problems seem a lot bigger worry it doesn't work it doesn't solve problems it's not your friend it's making your problems seem bigger than i'm not saying they're not big but it's making them bigger than what they are let me tell you something that they are not bigger than they're not bigger than your god and that's what you've got to get now they're big i'm saying they're big problems but they're not bigger than your god and so, and so when, when you're playing God and you're trying to fix things and you're trying to do, and, and you're, you're, you're making these things out bigger and then you feel hopeless when you can't, it's, it's, it's sapping you of your energy. It's exaggerating the problem. Here's another thing that worry does, and Jesus talks about this. Worry absolutely wastes your time. It's a waste of time. Whenever we worry about things, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, one of the greatest greatest discourses on worry, something that's holding you back. Here's what he says. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Jesus says, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Now look at what this says in verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You know what worry does? It takes moments from your life is what it does. Can all this worrying that you're doing about this thing, this thing that's holding you back, can, can it add a single moment to your life is what Jesus says. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? We eat. What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts. Who who do they dominate the thoughts of? Unbelievers, those that don't know the God that we know. That's the way that they function, the way that, that, that you would expect them to function in the sense that they don't know God in the way that we as believers should know our God who provides for our needs. He goes on, he says, but your, your heavenly Father, He already knows all of your needs. Now, this would be a great verse for us to go into this new year to take right here. Matthew 6, 33. Here's what God's going to challenge you to do this morning. You seek the kingdom.
kingdom of God above what? All else this year. Seek first the kingdom of God. You seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And what will he do? And he will give you everything that you want, everything that you need, everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And that's what we're doing is we're worrying about these things that are out ahead of us. And God's saying, you, you, you need to trust in me in this. He asked this question. Jesus says, is all this going to add or fix your problem? Is it going to add any single moment to your life? We know the answer to that is absolutely it will not. It will take moments from your life because it's not good for us. When we worry the way that we do, it's never solved any problem in the history of the human race. So it's just a worthless waste, waste of energy, of thought, and emotion. So what does the Bible say to do to let go of your worries? Well, we know it's unhealthful, it's unreasonable, it's unhelpful, and, and it, it just doesn't work. It wastes our time. So as we begin 2011, as you get ready to go into this new year, I want to make this so practical for you this morning. Something for you to really work on, to get your hands around, and to really begin to work this in your life. I want you to think right now, and many of you have notes, I want you to think about and I want you to write down this thing. It could just be one thing. Let's just work one at a time. It could be a few different things, but, but here's the deal. I want you to write down and think about this thing that has slowed your race this year. This one thing that maybe you've been worried about. Something that you have been worried about in 2010, I want you to write it down. This is for your eyes only. You don't have to show anybody else. You don't have to come and let me sign off on it or anything like that, okay? This is for you. This is between you and God. For you to identify what this is, think of what it is that has worried you in 2010 that you know God's getting your attention about so that you don't go, go about your, your race in the same manner in 2011. If you can't think of what worries you, ask your husband or your wife, okay? And uh, because they typically know what worries you, maybe even more so than you do. And, and so they can help you out. They often know better. It may be your health. Some of you are worried about your health. Or, or maybe the health of a loved one. It could be a job situation. As job, jobs are, 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 you know, we find all these things going on with jobs. It could be finances that you are worried about today. It may be a relationship that you are struggling with today. It could be all kinds of different things. I just want you to write something down, your eyes only. The reason I'm asking you to do this is some of you are going, man, I'm not doing that. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to confront it. I don't want to deal with this. The reason I'm asking you to do it and why I think you should do this is because you can't release it until you know what it is. And oftentimes we don't want to confront it until in the middle of the night when we can't sleep and it's whipping us. Until you understand it, until you identify it, you can't release it until you recognize it. It's a principle of life. One of the reasons why you're stressed out is, is many of us, we kind of carry about this vague sense of anxiety. We're just kind of weighed down about a lot of different things instead of learning to deal specifically with what some of the root of these things may be. And, and so we just kind of carry this vague sense of anxiety around with us. We're, we're worried about these things. And, and, and I want to encourage you to try, to try to get to the root of what that is. What is it that you're worried about? You know? What are the things that I tend to worry about? Make this list or, or just identify this one thing. And, and, and today you're saying, God, I know I've been worried about these things. I know it's affected my race. I know I've been running slow or I've been paralyzed in my race because of these things. God, today 
I want to start releasing control of this to you. Because I realize, honestly, I'm not in control of it to begin with. What is it that God is trying to speak to you about? Some of you are having a hard time writing this down because of... uh, because we rarely, rarely recognize all the emotional garbage that we're carrying along with us. We rarely recognize that. We never see it in ourselves. Oftentimes other people have to identify that for us. And so what we do is we lug around this big garbage bag of worries. We're carrying these things around, and it's weighing our race down. It's, it's tripping us up. We're not running faithfully. We keep getting over and over again, sidetracked. And, and it's just one of these things that just keeps tripping us up. God says, I want you to let it go. Let that garbage go. I did this wedding a few years back, and uh, about two or three months after this couple were married, uh, they called me and said, we need to come talk to you. We're having some problems and they're pretty serious. I mean, they're only two or three months into their, their new uh, marriage here. So they came uh, to see me. That We met up in my office. And, and, uh, and, the, and the lady said this. This is what she said. She said, as I was that beautiful bride walking down the aisle with that beautiful white gown, I had no idea that behind me I was dragging along this garbage bag full of emotional garbage unresolved from previous relationships. I was dragging that with me down the aisle. And that's what we do, right? She said, I was carrying all of this stuff into my marriage. And and honestly, that's one of the big parts of what's causing all of our problems is I've not dealt with this stuff. A lot of the the problems that we have with our friends or with our parents or our husband or wife are really caused by previous relationships of things that have been never resolved, things that you've not dealt with, things you've not let go of. Maybe that's what you've been worried about is these relationships. God says to you today, you've got to let this stuff go. I want you to drop this garbage that you've been carrying around, all this emotional garbage, these worries, these feelings, these memories. You've got to release these things to me because it's paralyzing your race. You're not able to run the race I've called you to. Let it go. What does God want you to do? God says in Psalm 55, 22, Will you read this with me out loud? Let's say it together. I think there's something about it whenever we read it and we verbalize it. What is he telling you to do? Say it with me. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Don't you love that? He says, give these burdens to me. Give these burdens to me. And so here's the big question in this. All right. You're telling me not to worry. You're telling me not to do this. By the way, I struggle with worry too, okay? So I'm preaching to myself. You're telling me not to do these things. Here's the deal. How do I do this? Right? Is that what you're thinking? But here's the antidote to worry. The antidote, and I don't mean this to sound too simplistic, but this is the truth. It's biblical. The antidote to your worry is prayer. It's going to God in prayer. See, we spend all this time, when we're worrying, we've turned all of our inward, our focus inward on whatever it is that's got us weighed down. It is prayer. How do you do this? You let go of your words. There's only one way in the entire universe to do this. It's by praying to our God. It's by getting in His presence. It's the only way you're ever going to get rid of it. We don't get rid of it through, necessarily through therapy or through fads or diets or pills or seminars or conferences. You get rid of it by one way or you cope with it. I don't want to say get rid of it. You cope with it in one effective way, and it's through prayer with your holy God. You know, if you and I, if we prayed more about these things that we're struggling with, we'd worry less. 
As we take them to God, we'd have a lot less to worry about. The alternatives in our lives are this. I can pray about this and entrust this to my God. Or what many of us, and I do as well oftentimes, or I can just consume myself and worry about it and make myself sick. The more we pray, the less we're going to worry. Prayer is the way you release your worries. This upcoming year, what if, what if whenever you were beginning to worry, you feel that anxiety coming on about this? What if you said, you know what, this is a problem area in my life. I need to deal with this in a different way. I need to deal with it. Some of, it, some of us, what do we do? We turn to drink or we turn to food or we turn to other people or whatever. What if we said, you know, those things don't seem to be working. What if I began to turn to God in these certain areas in my life? Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4. We, we studied this book a year ago. I love the way that the message paraphrase uh, reads this. Look at what he says. He says, don't fret or worry. By the way, you know that Paul was in prison. He was going through a pretty tough time. He was in prison for the gospel. Look at what he says to do. Instead of worrying, what does he say to do? Pray. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Talking to Him about your concerns. Look at what He says. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. That's peace. That's what that is. A sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I love that in the message there. That's talking about a peace that transcends all understanding. Before we waste any more time in this upcoming new year, as we close out this year, we want to stop and just let go of whatever it is that's weighed you down as you've come here today. You know what that thing is, that thing that you wrote down or maybe you didn't want to write it down. So I, I want to just do this, okay? We're going to deal, and these other ones, this was the biggest of the three today, but we're going to just deal with this right now. Instead of just getting to the very end and all trying to deal with all these different things, let's deal with it right now specifically. Can I ask us to bow our heads in prayer? Let's just bow in prayer before our God right now. Prayer is just you talking to God. This is a holy moment for some of you. As you've identified what this thing is, just, just talk to God about this problem. Tell Him. Tell God what it is that's worrying you. What you wrote down or maybe what you were afraid to write down. God, this has got me so worried. Tell Him right now. Some of you, you may need help in, in praying. I want to help you. You might just tell him something like this, okay? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you right now for understanding me and for caring about what worries me. Lord, as I prepare to go into this new year, I don't want to have the same worry burden me one more year with all of this fear and all of this apprehension. Now here's where the faith comes in on your part. So in faith, God, right here and right now, I give this worry to you. And I trust you with it.
Lord, help me to see that you're bigger than any of the problems that I have. You are bigger than my worry. Lord, help me to know that your word says that nothing can separate me from your love. And help me, Lord, at the first signs of when worry begins to creep back in to remember this moment today. To remember that I gave this problem to you. Give me the strength, Lord, that I need when my faith is weak to depend upon you and not upon myself. I give you this problem and my worries in Jesus' name. Amen. Worry is the first thing that you're going to have to let go of to run your race hard. The kind of life that God has for you, planned for you. I'm going to give you another hindrance, and this one's going to, this one's going to sting for many of us. Okay? Here, if you're going to run your race, not only do you need to let go of your worries, here's what you've got to let go of. You must let go of your wounds. Now, I'm not talking about physical wounds. I'm talking about your emotional wounds. The way that you have been hurt in this past year. And let's just face it, we've all been hurt in one way or another. Someone's hurt us, someone said something, someone did this, someone did... We've all been hurt in one way or another. The way you've suffered emotionally... If you're going to move forward in this upcoming year with the race that God has for you, you've got to deal with the wounds that are in your life. There are a lot of things that wound us. Maybe you were wounded because someone lied to you this past year. Maybe you were wounded because a promise that was made to you was broken. And now you're wounded because of it. Or maybe you're in conflict with a friend or with a family member or or in some kind of relationship. And in the midst of that conflict, some angry words were spoken to this person. And you were deeply wounded. And maybe they said angry things back to you. Maybe you've been wounded by a betrayal. Maybe you found out that somebody's been talking about you behind your back. You ever felt that? That hurts. Uh, Maybe you've been wounded by rejection. You can be wounded by being misunderstood. You can be wounded by feeling devalued or overlooked by somebody. You can be wounded by being disappointed, and we all get disappointed in in a person. It could be, you know, someone significant in your life. You can be wounded even by loneliness and begin to be angry with everyone else around you. There are a lot of things in our lives that wound us. And God says for you to run your race the way in which I have for you to run this race this new year. You've got to let go of these things. You've got to deal with these things. You need to give them to God. David said in Psalms 109.22, notice we're looking at a lot of Psalms. David dealt with these things. Psalm 109.22, this is what he said. He said, for I am poor and I am needy and my heart is, David said this, my heart is wounded within me. You have your Bibles there, you can even circle that within me. Notice he says within. You know these internal wounds are always a lot more serious than the external wounds, always both physically and emotionally. I was thinking about this this week, about these these physical internal wounds. You can look like you are okay on the outside, right? But you could be hemorrhaging internally, and, and, and it can kill you. You can look like emotionally, like you've got it all together, but there are some of you, you are so hurt inside and have not dealt with what it is that has hurt you that you are dying on the inside. Because you've not dealt with what this may be 
For instance, you know, I just think about this. You don't probably remember the cuts and the scrapes and the bruises that you got on the playground as a kid, but you very likely remember whenever someone said something ugly to you. You remember exactly what they said. You remember what they may have spoken over you and said. You remember those kinds of things. You remember the bullies, uh, you know. You remember maybe things that your parents said to you in anger or whatever. You know, emotional wounds, we, we tend to carry these a whole lot longer than the physical wounds. Why do we remember them? It's the, reason, the reason we remember them is because we rehearse them over and over again in our minds. We play that tape over and over. We, we rewind, we replay, we rewind. And, and a lot of times that's all wrapped in together with that whole issue of worry, right? Okay? They're, they're connected in a big way. And we re- replay these tapes and we think about them over and over. This, this is a scheme that our enemy, Satan, has for, for God's people to slow us down in our race and to derail us. Listen, what happened in the past, you've got to catch this today. What happened in the past is in the past, and it's over. The people who have hurt you in the past no longer can hurt you unless you choose to let them hurt you. They don't have power over you. And the way that you let them maintain their power over you or you let them continue to hurt you is by you choosing to continue to rehearse and rehash these things out over and over in your mind. Every time you rehearse it, you're still allowing somebody in your past to control your present. When you don't capture these thoughts, that's what Jesus says, we take, cap- we take-, we ca- take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. We take captive these thoughts. We have a choice in this. Your, your past can't hurt you anymore if you decide to begin to let this go. So when you're, when you're rehearsing this over and over again, there's a word for what this is called. It's called resentment. Whenever we rehearse this in our minds, we start feeling these feelings of resentment towards a person. And this word, actually, its root actually means to cut again. And so every time, it means to cut again. Every time you begin rehearsing that, you're, you're, it's like you're cutting yourself all over again. It's like you're hurting yourself all over. When you begin to, to rehash this thing in your mind, every time you think about that person that, that has wounded you, you recut yourself again. You're perpetuating the pain instead of saying, God, as of, and I'm not even going to wait to January 1st for this one. God, I've got to begin to deal with this now. Because it is slowing my race down. It's this thing that has encumbered me. It's this thing that's, that's, that I can't seem to get past. Every time this comes up, man, it just derails me. The enemy knows our, our flesh begins to feed off of this. Never again am I going to replay this hurt. When it begins to come up, I'm going to take captive that thought by your power, by the strength of your Holy Spirit in me. And you know what I realize? It's over. It's over. And that's what we need to say. Psalm 37, 8. The Lord may want to say this to some of you this morning. Here's what Psalm 37, 8 says. Stop being angry. That's what it says. Stop being angry. The next thing it says, turn from your rage. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. That's what the psalmist writes. So maybe this past year you've been an angry person in 2010. And God's trying to get a hold of your heart and say, I want 2011 to be different. You've got to make a choice to deal with this, though. 
this resentment, this bitterness, it's hold, this holding on to these hurts, this living as an angry person, what it's doing is it's leading to harm in your life. Thinking about this stuff over and over, it leads to a perpetual low-grade anger, and we live as an angry person. We walk around angry. That's, that's why whenever you pull up to the four-way stop sign and maybe someone goes, then they weren't supposed to go while you're ready to road rage on somebody over that. Because you're living, not that I know what that's like, okay? I'm just saying, I've seen some of you. But when you, do you, do you ever wonder, why do I get so angry about stupid stuff like that so fast? It's because you've got some stuff in your life that you've got to deal with some things that are controlling you, some things that are slowing your race down. It's just so important to begin to let not only go of our worries, but to let go of our wounds because you can't relate properly to your future if you're always rehearsing the past. You can't do it. It's like trying to drive your car by only using the rear view mirror. And you're trying to navigate going forward. But all you're doing is looking at what happened behind you. That's all you're doing. Don't try that, okay? All right, that's, that's not good. You can't get on with this upcoming year. You can't get on with, with what's going to happen for the rest of today if you don't deal with what has occurred that has hurt you in this sense. Bitterness and resentment, they, man, they are something that can just take you out. As you live as a bitter and angry person, you're going to crash. So let me just ask you a very blunt question as I asked you about your worries. I asked you this question about your worries, and I want to ask you this. What hurts from this past year, or for some of you, it's beyond 2010. It's something you've been carrying for a long, long time. What hurts or wounds do you need to begin to deal with and shut the door on as we begin this new day and this new year? Don't you think it's time? To stop the pain, to deal with it, to stop going over it, over and over in your mind. You've got to let go of your wounds. Well, how do you do that? How do you do this? Well, if the only way to let go, to let go, to let, I don't know who that guy is. I can't talk today. To let go of your worries is prayer. The only way to let go of your wounds, you're not going to like this one, is forgiveness. I told you you wouldn't like it. The only way to let go of it is forgiveness. There's no other antidote to your hurt. There's no other way you're going to get past your past except through forgiveness. You can go to therapy, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You can, you can go uh, read books. You can do these different things. You know what a lot of those things are all going to point you back toward? Forgiveness. Forgiving, you know, forgiving whoever it is that's hurt you. They don't deserve to be forgiven, Pastor Bart. You're right, they don't. They don't. Neither do we. We are all guilty. We have all sinned. We have all hurt someone. We are all, they say, well, they did a lot more. Yeah, they, they, maybe they have. Okay, what you're doing is you're justifying it. You've got to deal with it. You don't forgive people because they deserve it. We don't forgive people because they deserve it. God did not forgive us because we deserved it, did he? 
He forgave us because of His grace. You forgive people for a few different reasons. Let me give you these. One, as a believer, if you're a believer, number one, this is the most important reason why you forgive. God told you to. He didn't give you an option. He didn't say, this is just, you can pick if you want to do this. God has commanded you to forgive. Okay? Secondly, if that's not enough for you, but it should be, is because He has forgiven you. And third, it's the only way you're going to be able to let go of your pain. The only way. You don't forgive other people for their benefit. You do it for your benefit. Resentment doesn't hurt them. As you carry all that up, it's not hurting them. It hurts you. It's the only way that you're going to be able to let go of this in this new year is through forgiveness. You don't forgive them so they'll feel better about things. You forgive so that God can do the work in your heart and you feel better. That weight is off of you. Job 18.4, Job says, you're only hurting yourself with all of your anger. That's what he says. You've got to release it. For your own good. You've got to let it go. The Bible says this. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. Here's what he says. To believers, get rid of all bitterness. Some of you, you've gotten rid of most of the bitterness. But you're holding on to this one thing and it's slowing your race down. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, what does he say? Be kind to each other, tender-hearted. Say it with me, church. What does he say? Forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Oh, that's a tough verse. But it's a powerful verse. God says you need to let go of the grudges that you've been carrying. You've been forgiven by God in His grace. Now He's calling you to pass that on, to forgive others. Why? So you can let it go. It's weighing you down. It's holding you back. Before you go one more day in 2010 and, and into 2011, the question for you this morning is, well then, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Is there someone that, that, that when we even started talking about it, that person's name and face came to your mind, you started clamping your teeth down thinking about them and your jaw was getting tight and you're, you, you're like, I can't believe he's talking about this today. You know, I thought we were going to talk about losing weight or something, you know. And now he's dealing with this stuff. What wound from your past do you need to let go of? If you're a normal human being like I think most of us are, okay, Maybe some of us are not, but most of us are. I know you're thinking, I just don't know if I have it in me to do it. You don't. It takes a miracle of God within you through the power of the Holy Spirit as you yield to Him. God begins to work this in your life through the strength of Jesus Christ. That's why you need Jesus. You can't do it on your own. He's waiting to give you that strength. As we, as we do this, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray right now. I've got one more quick thing to talk about with you, and then we're done, okay? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to let go of our wounds. So the question is, who do you need to forgive? Who have you been holding a grudge against? What name comes to mind? Can we just pray about this? Let's take this to God just as we took our worries. You may just be thinking, God, I'm willing because I need my life changed in this area, but I need your help. Just begin to talk to him about it.
God, would you give me the strength to forgive? By the power of God's strength within you and the strength and the, the grace within you, maybe you need some help saying this, but here's, here's what you need to say. God, I forgive, and then you fill in the blank. You say their name in your heart. God, I forgive them. Rather than rehearsing this pain, I choose to release it to you. I don't want to live in bitterness and anger anymore. It's been slowing my race down, God. And I pray that you would give me the peace and the freedom that comes from forgiveness. Lord, when I don't feel like forgiving them, and I often do not... Remind me of how you have forgiven me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's the last thing. There's one other hindrance that that many of us need to deal with this morning, okay? And here's what it is. If you're going to run your race this upcoming year, you've got to let go of your wrongs. Your wrongs. And that is the things that you have done wrong. Your sins, your mistake, your regrets, the guilt that many of us are carrying over us. And it just has paralyzed our race because we feel so guilty. We drag our guilt around all of the time and we carry it, all of this garbage that we're carrying around. We need to deal with it today. We need to deal with it. First of all, if you're a believer, let me just establish this, that positionally you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God looks upon you as he, and what he sees when you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he sees his son Jesus when he looks upon you. Amen. Aren't you glad to know that? You are forgiven. But what happens is because we are still in this body, in our flesh, we are still prone to sin. Now, when you are a believer, it does not affect your relationship with God in the sense that your salvation is taken away. Okay? Once you've been adopted into his family, you cannot be unadopted. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. You are his adopted son, his adopted daughter. However, what does happen is our fellowship with God gets affected all the time, and we carry around a lot of guilt. Or we don't understand our position in Christ, and so we are guilty. We carry this guilt around with us. What guilt does is it disconnects us from our God. God doesn't move away from us. We often move from him. We're often ashamed to talk to him about things. Maybe it's a perpetual sin or a habit that we just can't seem to get over. It affects our fellowship with God. Some of us, we feel distant from God and detached. You just feel like God's far away. God has not moved. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 2, your wrongs have separated you from your God. Your sins have made him hide his face that he doesn't hear you. What God desires for us is to address what these things are in our in our life that we've been forgiven of these things, but God wants us to to deal with these things, to confess these things before him. Whenever we confess this, it brings freedom to us and the the, the psalmist said, whenever I refuse to confess my sins, I was weak and miserable and I groaned all day long. That's what he said. I carried this with me. 
Some of you, you've been carrying this guilt of something that happened long ago or maybe something that happened this past month and you've not dealt with this. Here's the thing. Just as prayer is the antidote for worry and forgiveness is the antidote uh, for the resentment that you've been carrying, here is the antidote to our guilt. It is confession. It's confession before a holy, loving God. It's just admitting before God, God, you were right about this. I was wrong. I missed this. I don't justify this. I don't make excuses for this. God, I, I acknowledge this before you. The word confess in, in the Greek is the word homo legeo. And what this means, it means the word homo meaning, meaning same and legeo meaning to speak. You're saying, I agree, to speak the same as with God about this. What I did, God, was sin. And I confess this before you. God has given you an incredible promise through confession. Look at what he says to believers in 1 John 1 9. He says, If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from, what is the next word? All the wrong that we have done. Amen? And that's a great thing to know. He says, I'll wipe these out. I'll cleanse you. It's all the wrongs that you've done. God doesn't say, I'm going to hold a few of these back as ammunition for you when I need it, which is what many of us, was what we do. Some of you have been carrying this load of guilt and worries and wounds and wrongs in your life, and God just wants you to deal with it. Maybe you weren't prepared to deal with these things tonight, but I hope we at least got you thinking about them, and you will deal with them this week. I love uh, what uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, the famous poet, he wrote these words to his daughter. His daughter was depressed over a major mistake and sin that she had in her life. I want you to listen to this. I think this is powerful. Here's what he said. He said, finish every day and be done with it. You've done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities, no doubt, crept in. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. Begin it well and serenely with too high a spirit to be encumbered with your old nonsense. This new day is too dear with its hopes and invitations to waste a moment on the yesterdays. I love that. Some of you, you've been carrying all of this guilt for some time now. You were not made to carry that guilt. And God wants you to give it to him today to let it go. We're going to have our final prayer, okay? Let's have our time of prayer before the Lord. What is it that has been weighing you down some worry, some wound from a relationship for some of you as we close this final prayer. It's some guilt that you've not been able to, to get past. You say, I don't deserve to be forgiven. You're right. You don't. Neither do I. I don't deserve to be in this right relationship with God. That's what's so amazing about His grace and that He's forgiven us. You are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You tell him specifically what this wrong has been. Don't justify it. Just say, God, this is what I've done. It was sin and it was wrong. You may need to tell him something like this. Father, I know that, that what I did, Lord, it hurt me. I know it may have hurt others. And I know more than I'll ever realize, Lord, that it has hurt you. And I'm tired of carrying this guilt. I'm worn out from blaming other people from hiding from my sins. So, Lord, I'm coming before you just in all honesty. 
saying, God, that I was wrong. And I ask you, Lord, for forgiveness. Not because I deserve it or can earn it, but because of your grace. And now, Lord, as I go into this new day, in this new year, help me to live my life in response to your grace. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Why don't you stand with me?